Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Marie, good afternoon to you. Yeah, that's an interesting. Good afternoon, Sean. That's an interesting chat. I think like one of the areas that certainly where we could save uh, in terms of production is waste food. You know, we buy an awful lot of food and we don't use it. And vegetables and fruit and breads and how many of us, you know, feel so guilty about that. And, you know, it's people like the food cloud over in Galway where they make sure that an awful lot of potentially food would otherwise be going into waste um, is actually used up and, 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 and divided out into people who need it. So it's it's that kind of work, you know, more of that is what's needed. But it's um I, I don't think any of us really have, you know, a really good idea of what it takes to feed the world and what it takes to feed the population. And just, you know, to contemplate supermarket shelves being empty for two days, you know, I, I mean, I grow some food here. I don't grow all our needs by any manner of means. Um it's it's hard to do that. It dem- demands an awful lot of um, you know, commitment. And, you know, most people, when they were getting in the evenings from work, they want to kind of sit down and watch telly and, mm. you know, have time with their kids. And it is you have to be very, very committed to grow your own um, and to grow enough that, you know, you can supply yourself. But I, I think one of the biggest things I've noticed the changes is that, you know, the front gardens and I don't know about the back gardens, but if you walk down any street now, you know, the front gardens are mostly totally tiled over. And, you know, there's no growing space or no space for a few herbs or anything like that. So, you know, everybody can look to themselves and, you know, but but it takes a horrendous amount of food to feed the population. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and it can't be magicked up, you know, in 20 minutes or two hours like a takeaway. Yeah. You know, so it's a it's a tough old thing. But anyway, listen, I'm back to you again this week and I feel like your man in Groundhog Day. The weather is gorgeous. Oh, well, is it? Right. Well, no, well, we had a bit of rain, all right. And we, we could do, probably do with it. But I am looking out the window, the kitchen window here now at blue skies at the moment. So the grass is still growing. Um, most of the livestock are still out grazing. And that really shortens the winter. And one of our neighbours was saying that in the 20 years he's been farming, this is the very first October where all his cows have been grazing outdoors both day and night. Mm. They were always in by the end of September in one way or the other. And while the country has got a bit of rain in the last few days, the ground has been well able to take it and the animals haven't done it any harm. But whether we like it or not, the grass growth is now set to drop fairly dramatically. And that's a combination of the shorter daylight hours and the cooler temperatures. And housed animals for the winter it's a big kind of job to be done and a lot of work to be done to get it right and they need an awful lot of care if they're indoors than if you're managing them outdoors like water you have to have a clean supply of fresh water and that's absolutely essential but you also have to have enough drinking points in the shed so that there's no one being bullied away from the water and you know there's plenty of points where they can get access to water the food that they eat and the animals eat, be it a mix of cereals and silage or a diet devised by an animal food consultant, they all have to be brought to the animals. Now, instead of the animals eat, eating it and what's in front of them, they have to get the food brought to them. And this has to be done at least twice a day. But with silage, you probably need to be topped up more often than that. So that's, you know, you can't leave the farm and think that everything will be grand you know, the grass is growing to be able to eat that. Inside in the shed, you have to be there to feed them.
Yeah. Lots of farmers now have introduced rubber mats for their cows. Now, you mightn't believe this, but mm. they're as good as any mattress. So they're, um, they're like mattresses and they have introduced them to the cows um, in their cubicles. So this is, a, you know, their own little area. Each one has their private area. And um, so they're very comfortable, they're warm and they're very flexible. And then the standing and lying down areas have to be cleaned every day, at least once. And many sheds, people might know this, they have automatic scrapers that they, they're, they're kind of like chains and they move up and down the shed, taking any manure and dung with it. And, um, and they keep the whole kind of standing area nice and clean. And, and, and that's really important from a bacterial point of view. The straw bedded animals, they need to have their bedding refreshed regularly as well. And even if with the automatic scrapers, scrapers, farmers, especially the dairy farmers who really need to keep everything clean, um, they, um, you know, they, they are able to get these ride on lawnmowers. Now, you can adapt a ride on lawnmower, which people might know, um, to fit a scraper, a yard scraper. And so you know, more soon finished mowing the lawns then you're at the sheds. <laughs> and when the sheds, when the cows are let out in March, you're back to mowing the lawn again. <laughs> so you can get these and they're very, very good. They get into all the corners that, you know, the scrapers won't because the scrapers are going literally straight up and down. So they can really clean the place up. And I know farmers who are so precise that they clean out the sheds up to four times a day. And, you know, it's it's a big job. And, um, uh, yeah, and, and you know people take it fairly seriously the sheds also they need to be lined regularly um, to keep infection down and, um, and this year now farmers have had plenty of time to deal with any health and safety issues facing, that they face into the winter and this will sound shocking Sean and I think it will shock your listeners as well but I know more people who had near life changing farm accidents this year than who've had COVID. Really? Yeah, and, and people who are well-known who in the farming circles, who who um well aware of the risks, but still got caught out. So I would advise, like, replace the broken bulbs. Do it now before the livestock are all housed. Hang those gates that have been held up with bale and twine. Store medicine safely. Leave ladders out of the reach of children. Ensure the steps that steps have at least a handrail. And have isolation areas for calving cows and make sure you have an escape route if things go wrong. And hopefully this winter will be, you know, well, hopefully we get a nice winter and that we'll have a shorter side. It'll be a short on 2022 as it is now. Yeah, well, it looks, but, like, um, it looks like a fairly short uh, or a fairly long summer. Yeah, well, it, well, it's only like, you know, I mean, people were going around the town here in Newcastle West yesterday in shorts and T-shirts and sandals. So, um, you know, it, it's amazing that we're into the 20th of whatever, October. So, like, there's only two months left in it. And then we're facing into the new year and the spring bulbs and everything starts to grow again. So, any, I was out doing a bit of shopping yesterday. And every place I went into, isn't the weather gorgeous? Isn't the weather gorgeous? And I said, oh, yes, yes, we can thank global warming. <laughs> and it's amazing the dampener <laughs> that that puts on people's mood when you say to them, uh, yes, yes, because uh, I'm, I'm so conscious that, you know, I haven't seen this kind of warm weather. And while it is lovely and balmy and suits us, mm. it is actually directly, you know, due to global warming. Yeah. So that's the negative end of it. Uh, now, you were saying during the summer that the corncrake numbers, uh, I, actually, I wonder, is this to do with climate change as well, but a huge increase in corncrake numbers? 
Yeah, well, look, they've been working so hard on this, the people involved in it, and the, the, both the farmers involved and the, the, the kind of rangers that are involved in monitoring it. And last year, there was at least 185 male corn creeks record, corn recorded. And that was up from 146 the year before, which is a very substantial jump. And, um, you know, this, this corn crake grant schemes, there's good participation. People are very positive about it. The habitats have been, you know, um, improved and farmers are, they, they don't mow their hay meadows until later in the year. Um, so that the corn crakes have plenty of time to breed. And Donegal, Mayo and Galway are seeing most of the increased numbers. So this is a, a just a quick message out to farmers in West Donegal or if you have relations who are farming in West Donegal and who want to be part of this story. Well, they want to get cracking because they need to get an application for the results-based results payment scheme to be in by four o'clock today. To the department now you can just apply to corncrakelive at housing.gov.ie the form i looked at it this morning before i sent this in to you and um uh, you'll have it filled in in less than 10 minutes um but just it's it's um if you're interested and if you live somewhere near in torrig in inishbow finn in mean lara or marl hill um they're all areas eligible to participate and it's about improving the habitat for the corn craig in nine special protection areas and the surrounding farmland. So look at if you're in that part of West Donegal, get cracking. You have an hour and a half to get your application in. Well, indeed. And now something that you've mentioned before, perhaps encouraging the farming community or more elderly farmers to think, I have daughters and sons. So do I necessarily always have to think of the son to inherit the farm? Well, yeah, and you know, I'm 35 years involved in farming now, and there was a big push to get women involved, you know, and, and more as a managerial role and ownership and, you know, you know, joint management of the farms back um, 30 years ago. And it's still going on. But I think of all the times that I've seen this debate happen, it's most serious now. And it's very serious from the point of view of equality and how people are treated and how fairly they're treated. And the ante has been upped a little bit by um, the Minister for State for Agriculture, Senator Pick Pippa Hackett. And she has asked Irish farmers why their daughters are not their successors. She wants to know why the land continues to be given to males. Mm. Um, it's a real genuine question and it's one that deserves an answer from the farm organisations, from whoever is involved. It's not maybe for individual farmers. Well, I mean, they, they, they're the focus of it. But it'll be their organisations who should find out why aren't women inheriting. Um, she wants to see greater equality between men and women in farm ownership and for women's contribution to ag to be fully recognised. And, and, and this is the telling point. She said there's no other occupation that has such an imbalance in property ownership. One quarter of our farm workforce are women. Now, I bet you didn't know that. There's your fact for today. Yeah. One quarter are women, yet only 4% of farms registered with the Department of Agriculture are in joint female-male names. Um, about 10% of all farmland is in the sole name of a woman. But most of these women have inherited the land later in life on the death of their husband. Um, it's mainly through marital transfers. It's not by succession or inheritance. 
So she's, Senator Hackett is asking rural men to help rectify this imbalance. And she wants them to tell her why their daughters are not their successors. And she wants to know what the policymakers can do to address that imbalance. Because if you look, the young women that are farming today, they're the most confident bunch that I have ever seen. Um, they're, they're really have, they're top class farmers, they're winning awards all around the place. Um, they're great at setting up businesses on the farm, agribusinesses. They're telling their story on TikTok. They're consumer friendly. They're really presenting a fantastic image of farming and they're deadly genuine. And the question is, why are they not succeeding to the family farm? Why aren't they part of a partnership on the family farm? And, and I don't think farmers, male farmers, there's nowhere to hide on this question anymore. It's not just good enough to say, um, you know, she, he, he's better than her. The girls are absolutely first class. And, you know, it's an issue that's not going to go away. So watch this space. Yeah. Now, um, big weekend uh, in your family. Oh, yes. Yes. Our elder son, Ian, is getting married to Sarah Gerard, and they're getting married on Saturday next. And I just want to wish them both every happiness and a long life together. Well, and congratulations to them. Now, was this a strategic thing that you're getting married the day after the 22nd or <laughs> were you just pure luck there? Well, well, no. Well, this is a mini wedding or it's a micro wedding. Ah, right. There's uh, 10 people between the two families. And yeah, there's just 10 of us at it. So um, I, I think they've had to postpone twi- once definitely and twice. Pro- I think, well, they were hoping to do it earlier this year and it didn't happen. And um, But this is the first part. It's uh, just purely for the close family. And, uh, and then hopefully in 2023, they'll uh, have a bigger party for everybody. But right. um, but anyway, we're 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 going ahead with it. So there's there's ten, and it should be. And the interesting thing is, Sarah is French, so I can't speak a word of French. Neither can my daughter or son. My husband's not too bad, and Sarah's family are not really. Her sister can speak French or speak English, so it's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, so we, I think we'll be, we'll be taking out the cards and doing the drawing on it to tell people what we want to say to them. Ah, it's amazing how once so, you've had a couple of glasses of wine, how good at a foreign well, language you idea. think you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look, we just want to wish them, the family want to wish them and the extended family and their friends the best of, uh, of luck and every happiness and a long life together. Right. Well, that's a, a great weekend then uh, lined up for you and your family. Uh, uh, congratulations to you, Marade, and to, obviously to your son and, and new daughter and Laura, that was Mairead Lavery there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Uh, we're going to take a break. After that, the life and times of Jack B. Yates. Moncrief on Newstalk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.